All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. The UFC is coming back to Canada, everybody. It's been gone for 10 years. Now it's back in Vancouver at Rogers Arena, and it's going to be a good one. Saturday, June 10th, championship fight between Emmanuel Nunez and number five ranked contender Irene Aldana. That's not all. The former champion, Charles Olivier, is taking on the surging number four seed, Benil Dariush. That's going to be a good one. There's some Canadians on the card. Also, Mike Malott from Burlington, Ontario. My hometown fighter, Jasmine Yasudafias, is going to be fighting. And a couple other Canadians are on the card as well. So check it out. It's going to be a good one. I'll be watching. Tim will be watching. Saturday, June 10th, UFC 289. Don't miss it. morning everybody thank you for joining us here on a nice friday in june tim we finally got a series i'm very excited you know i I went into last night expecting the worst hoping for the best it didn't look good for the florida panthers but before we get into that more importantly how are you tim (laughs) i'm good i'm good uh friday my one of my best friends, my college roommate, is coming through town tomorrow. Ooh, heads up. hey He's in Charleston with his wife and his baby. Um, oh, whammy. Not so I haven't, I haven't met him yet, uh, the baby. So they're coming just for a few hours and the drive back to Boston. But it'll be good to see him. What do you think the conversation is between him and his wife? Because he, she doesn't want to stop. Right. And he's stopping to see you. Is she like, no, just just say hi. We don't need to linger. No, because she I've known her just as long. We all met freshman year at college. Where she's oh. like a sister, so, it's oh. like, um, yeah, like she's she's not my buddy's wife. She's my friend, too. Ooh, interesting. Any history there? No, John, move on. Guys don't really have friends that are girls. She was like the mom of our group of our the four of us. That's gross. She just she took care of us. Shout and out, your Meg. friend married her. Yeah, they've been dating since they've been dating for fourteen years. So when you met her, she was already dating your friend. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and so they're just coming in for a couple hours. That's it. Yeah, give her a little tour and uh, and lunch, and off they go. Interesting. Are they going to give you like a pep talk? Like, 
What are you doing with your life, Tim? No, is there something you want to say about that, John? You can just air it out now. Oh, I have talked with you. I I talk with you about that regularly, right? (laughs) You hint at it. Me and Deirdre, we're 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 working on you. Okay, Okay. we're we're gonna get you there. I'm gonna be so excited at your wedding. It's gonna be great. Oh man, there's no way you come to my wedding unless it's in Traverse City. Well, that's where it's going to be, right? <laughs> like, I think, I think that's you know that's already set in stone. But, anyways, is there anything else, Tim? Other than that, are you doing okay? I'm doing fine, John. How? What are you doing? I'm doing great. Like I said at the start of the show, it's a two-one series. We got ourselves a series. I was just expecting it to be three rip, nothing to watch, nothing to talk about. Just Vegas is going to sweep Florida. No fun thankfully we got ourselves a series and thank you matthew kachuk it it can't be said enough this guy just gets absolutely buried like i'm talking lights out almost by keegan colasar in the first period comes back off the mat on the scoreboard paul korea ties it up with a couple minutes left with the, with the extra attacker. Fantastic. The resolve between the two stars here, Jack Eichel, Matthew Kachuk, pretty, pretty good. Usually those American boys are soft. Not these two. That's, that's a stereotype. Don't, don't send any emails. I know plenty of Americans who are super tough as nails guys, but let's just break down the game because I feel like Florida, Tim really started well. And for the first two games in Las Vegas, I don't know if they were hitting the roulette table What's your game? When you go to a casino, where do you instantly want to head first? Do you ever go to casinos? I've been a couple of times. I'm not a gambler. I I stick with the penny slots and get my free drinks. Just just... when I figure, you know, you can't get any worse. It's just (laughs) penny slots. And they give you free cocktails all night. If you just sit the machine and just have fun with it. Watered down cocktails. I guess if you're having beers, that's the thing. If, If you're a waitress in a casino, do you think you're going to really go serve the penny slots? They're not tipping very well. So they probably come by once an hour. So yeah, you can have your one beer an hour, Tim. And that's fine. You know what I mean? Do you think they're really cruising through the penny slots? I'm telling you, I've been there three times and they, they come by every 10, 15 minutes. They want to keep you drinking so that you spend more and tip more. So oh, yeah, what are you going to go up to the nickel slots? <laughs> really, really get after it? It's not actually literally penny slots. It's just like the cheap machine that you just, it's just, I'm not a gambler. I go to the tables and I get intimidated by, because like, if you don't bet at the right time or do the right thing, people get, you mess up the math and people get That's why you have to go with the group of friends and just take up a whole table. And I'm not talking you need to, you know, be putting down 50, $100 a hand. You go find a table that's five bucks a hand. You bring a hundred dollars and you just have fun. And you're there for two, three hours if you play it right. It's super fun. I love it. I go right to the blackjack. That's where I go. And I sit down and I play for hours and hours. Maybe that's what Florida was doing when they were in Vegas. They spent a little too much time on the blackjack table. I doubt it. But they didn't start good in Vegas. The first game, I could see it. They hadn't played in, what, 10 days? There was a long stretch. The second game, there's no excuses. They just came out and laid an egg. Paul Maurice said it. The players said it. They needed to start better, and they did. They came out, and they absolutely just dominated the Vegas Golden Knights. They were the Florida Panthers team that we have grown to love. They dumped the puck in. They went and got it. 
They went low to high. They threw the puck on the net and they grind out a rebound and they just create havoc in the offensive zone to the point where the Vegas Golden Knights didn't know where anybody was. And you're just panicking. And that's how Florida plays their offense. They just make you make mistakes because you don't know where anybody is. And it's just so fast paced. It's like, what's going on? There's a shot. There's another shot. Where's the rebound? Where's my guy? There's a guy open in front of them. Oh my gosh. It's going back to the point. Brandon Montour goes top shelf because no one's even blocking him. And he just tink. Florida's up one, nothing. Then after that, they continued shot after shot, rebound after rebound. Aiden Hill played great. He, He played really great in the first period. That was what kept Vegas in the game. Vegas composed themselves like a good team does Tim. And then they started to respond and it all started with the penalty late in the first period. And who else, but Mark stone gets a nice tip in. It was a four on three, very rarely seen four on three ever, let alone in the Stanley cup finals game three. So he gets a goal. Vegas gets the momentum. They almost put another one in right at the end of the first period. And then the ice is tilted. The second period's all Vegas. The third period's all Vegas. The fans are dead, Tim. Dead. Jonathan Marchestow scores another goal. The guy, all of a sudden, to start of this playoffs, doesn't get one single goal in the first round series. Doesn't get any the first couple of games versus Edmonton. What does he score? Tw- 12 goals in his last 13 games? Something 13. insane like that? 13. 13 and 14? He's playing incredible. So he gets a goal. Vegas goes up two to one. The game's over. The game's over. Florida pulls their goalie. Matthew Kachuk. I alluded to it earlier. And it's a typical Florida goal. Shot on net. Rebound. Grind it out. Low to high. Shot on net. Pick up a rebound. Low to high. Shot on net. Matthew Kachuk sitting right in the doorstep. No one's guarding him. Tap. Tap in. Back of the net, 2-2. Place goes nuts. We're going to overtime, right? Oh, not so fast, Tim. I'm talking a lot here. I'm excited. I've had two cups of coffee. I'm wired. My kids, it's their last day of school. I dropped them off. I got to pick them up in a couple hours. Very exciting. Not so fast. This is where this the refs decide, we're going to decide this game and this series. And they just call the most egregious penalty I've ever seen called in a Stanley Cup Finals in my recent memory, such a dumb call. Chandler Stevenson's trying to drive the net. He's getting two on one. He noticed he can't drive the net wide, so he tries to cut in. He trips on his own feet. The Panthers' sticks are nowhere near him. Forsling sticks on the outside. The forward who was on his backside, I'm not sure who it was, he lifts his stick, so it's not even near Stevenson. The backside ref calls a penalty with, I think, 20 seconds left in the third period. I don't know how dense you have to be if you're a referee or how ballsy you have to be if you're a referee to call a penalty in that situation. Just let it go to overtime. Let it stay five on five. Put the whistles away unless it's an egregious call. It's so frustrating for that to happen because Vegas had been humming on the power play. We'll touch on it in a second. But did you see the call, Tim? You were probably sleeping. You like to get your 12 hours. I get it. Or you might have been getting a beer already getting ready for overtime like most people were such a bad call luckily vegas didn't score because if they did i feel like maurice would have died and or killed somebody it was a bad tripping call what did you think of regulation tim yeah the refs made your synopsis they made a couple of bad um penalty calls and that one i don't think it was quite as bad as some of the other people did 
He didn't trip over his own feet, but he wasn't tripped by a Panthers player either. He tripped over like the back of someone's skate when he tried to dance around him. So no penalty, but also like it was a quick bang, bang play. All you see is him tangle with one of the players and then go uh, ass over tea kettle. And so like, yeah, you, it looks like a penalty in, in a quick moment. And so that all said, you keep the whistles in the pocket. You know what I mean? Like how much time was left on the clock? When that when that penalty was called, like less 20, than a minute, twenty seconds, I think ten seconds. Yeah, and so yeah, you you got to be careful with that. Luckily, and I think it's I think even oh, even Vegas fans, I don't know, do you even want to score if it's going to end that way? It's almost oh, like yeah. a little. I mean, I know you do, but like <laughs> absolutely <a karma> thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you want to you don't want to win in a cheap way like that. And so I'm glad that they didn't score there. I would have been fine with Vegas winning, but I'm glad that they didn't score on that specific power play. Well, let's touch on the power plays and the special teams this series because coming into it, I thought that would have been Florida's strength. You know, they they had the numbers. I think they were clipping along. They were top three in power play percentage. Their kill was doing well. Vegas was struggling on both sides. Their penalty kill was awful. A lot of that can be attributed to the Edmonton Oilers and just how good their power play was. But even their power play, Vegas wasn't strong. Bottom, I think bottom five in the NHL going into the play or coming out of the first and second round. They weren't good, Tim. They weren't good. All of a sudden, Vegas scores multiple power play goals. It's like every game. And Florida can't get a sniff on the power play. Their first three power I think they had one shot. One shot on net for three power plays. They're zero for 12 this series on the power play. Is that something Florida needs to address? Or can they continue to skate and sneak by? Because in this game, Vegas gets two power play goals. Florida gets three goals, five on five. One goal, six on five. (laughs) Does this need to change if Florida needs to win a Stanley Cup here, Tim? Yeah, it does. Because you can't you can't rely. I mean, even though you've got Matthew Kachuk and he's like Mr. Overtime, Mr. Clutch, you can't rely on that formula to win the playoff series against a team like the Vegas Golden Knights. You've got to find a way to win in regulation. You've got to find a way to win by a couple goals. You've got to find a way to get the, the power play going. It's just it's not sustainable and it's going to bite him in the butt. And it, luckily it didn't. But even that, they barely won this game. And so, yeah, you've got to figure out a way to score. Sam Bennett hasn't scored in something like 15 games, like something crazy like that. And so you've you've got to get more from your supporting players. Great goal from Berhage in overtime. But like, where's Reinhardt? Where's Bennett? Where's Duclair? Like, you got to get those guys going. And I don't know, do you, how much credit do you give to Aiden Hill and the Vegas penalty kills or something on Vegas and they got to, or Florida's and they've got to figure out? Yeah, I, I think you can do both things at the same time. Vegas obviously corrected some, you know, things that were going wrong on their PK and Florida isn't producing. Their entries aren't smooth. They're not winning draws. All in all, it's very shoddy work for the power play. They, they need to figure it out. They need to go back to basics, which is very strange for a team that just fucked so many pucks on net. Just do that in the power play. Just throw pucks on net. You have big bodies. Post up in front. And just see what happens. If it's not working, that's what I've always learned. I'm not on the power play. I've never been on the ball. I will correct myself. I have been on a power play in the NHL. Not very long, but I have. And the key to success is just throwing pucks on net and breaking down the other team's kill. And it seems like Vegas is very comfortable. They know what Florida is trying to do, and they take away the best option, and they force them to do things that they aren't comfortable doing. So to break that down, you go low to high, you get a shot on net, you break down their kill, and then you start to gain confidence. But anyways. I think Florida, I don't think they need to have their power play succeeding to win. I really don't. I think they're playing good hockey. I think Vegas is the better team. Bobrovsky, if he continues to play well, I just think something special about this team, Tim. 
Even though I picked Vegas to win the cup, they Florida has no business winning this game. Vegas was the better team. But somehow, some way, they find a way and they get it done. And Carter Verhage scores a goal from the blue line. Top cheese on Aiden Hill. Matthew Kachuk in his grill, kind of to his side, distracting him a little bit. Not a great goal. Not like a, a highlight reel goal. It's a goal that should have been saved. But what, what's nice is well, Florida is now 7-0 and in overtime. That's great. What's good is you and I are just savants. We're profits almost. We both called Florida winning game three in overtime. You are probably more of a profit than I am because you said in a single overtime. I said multiple overtimes, but both of us, Tim, said Florida wins game three in overtime. What do you think about that? Pretty cool. I mean, if you want to use the term profit, I'll I'll take it. I'll accept that. I think Your you words, should. Man. Now, has this series officially started yet, Tim? It's a fair question. I'm glad you asked. I, I don't think it has. And I'll tell you why. The home team hasn't lost a game yet. We might see that in game four. If we're making predictions, I I think Vegas is going to take game four. How do you just, think that? How? They, they've been, they were the better team in all three games. Yeah, yeah. But Florida, I think, is starting to find their way a little bit. I don't know. I, I really do think this is going to go to seven. I think the home team is going to hold for the first six, and then it's going to go to seven, and then all hell is going to break loose. It's going to, I hope, I hope for our fans' sake, we're, we're going to do a fun little segment. We're going to wait, wait on it and just kind of go through all the series and what's the most enjoyable series that we've watched throughout these playoffs. And it's just depressing what's gone on in the second and third round. And I don't want the Stanley Cup to follow suit. I want it to be a good, exciting series. But you think Vegas is going to win? I think Florida is going to win. You know who else is going to win? Mike Malott. Tomorrow, June 10th, Vancouver, UFC 289. It's going to be a doozy. If you like people getting punched in the face like I do, you better check it out. UFC hasn't been in Canada in 10 years, and they're back, baby. We got a championship fight between Amanda Nunez and Aldana. It's going to be great. Those two warriors. We got some other good cards on the on the roster. We got former champ Charles Olivier taking on Benil Dariush from somewhere not in the USA or Canada. Definitely going to watch that, but I'm most excited about the Canadian content. Mike Malott talked to him last week. We got his teammate, Jasmine Yasudafius from St. Catharines, my hometown. That's going to be fun. There are a couple other Canadians on the card. It's going to be good. Check it out. UFC 289 tomorrow in Vancouver at the Rogers place. It's going to be uh, lots of people getting hit in the face, Tim. Very fun. What would you rather see, Tim? Are you, are you a strangle type guy? Are you a submission? Or are you a knockout type guy? This probably won't surprise you, but I don't. I don't enjoy watching the violence of this. Like a hockey fight, I can get behind. The thing with the UFC, and it's crazy to me that this is like a thing when you knock them out and knock them down, and you and you follow up by pounding their face in when they're like on the ground, yeah, unconscious. And like I, I, I get that that's the sport and that's the rule, but like that doesn't seem like it's a sport anymore. You know, it's like you. That's like real damage at that point. Like, that doesn't happen in other sports. Way to sell it, Tim. Way to sell it. <laughs> that's um, that's it. That's why I like the submission. Didn't I, ask I, what you don't like. Um, asked what you like. I Way posted the um, Mike Malott segment this morning where we're talking about like his prediction for the fight, and he breaks it down so analytically about like 
well, let's look at the numbers. I do this. I do that. I have a record of this. I have all these tools in my, in my toolbox. And he, <laughs> what he talks about just loving submitting someone and just like having them bend to his will, even though they've done, they've worked months and years to not let him do that. It's just, it's gotta be a cool feeling. You, you probably got a little bit of that too. Yeah, not really. Uh, it's choking someone else. I, I choked out um, Casey Wellman in the tunnels of Vancouver. We were playing sewer ball in the garage of Vancouver before a game, and he started talking trash. Young rookie, you remember Casey Wellman? No, but and he was from Massachusetts. Um, he was a college kid. Great head of hair on him. So, anyways, before an NHL game. He starts talking smack. It was when I played for Minnesota. And so I grabbed him in a chokehold, and all of a sudden he goes limp and he just collapses on the ground. And I was like, holy moly, I killed Casey Wellman. And he goes down. Someone sprints to find a trainer. We wake Casey Wellman up. Uh, he's alive. But like I choked him out before, before the game. I think it might have been his like, First or second or third NHL game. <laughs> I so, choked his ass out in the parking lot. This is a different event from the same exact thing you're talking about with Risto Linen when you tra- traced him out to choke him Risto out. Risto put his jock in my face. I understand, but you, these are two rookies that you've choked unconscious now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what else haven't you told us? I haven't told the story. You only told the Risto one. Oh, yeah. Risto almost died because he choked on his tongue. That was like Risto was like gagging. I was like, oh my gosh. Well, because Risto was a first rounder. And so I felt it was a little bit worse. Casey was, I think, a free agent. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, not as bad. But no, like if you don't met, like if you're a rookie, just keep your mouth shut. And then they just, yo, you, you, Mr. Tough Guy, you're not going to do anything. I'm like, okay. You know the graphy graph that the people do find out, mess around, and find out, find out. Yeah. But it's they use colorful language. Those guys found out, and and you know what? And it, it proved well. They they kind of it stayed with them the rest of their career. So, yeah, I, I have choked people out, and it's a weird feeling while you're you're choking them, and all of a sudden you're just holding like a, a lifeless dead body. It's like what just happened? But it takes a little bit of time to kind of realize it. When the, the case with Casey Wellman, I, I could have killed him because I, I didn't think it was that bad, and I was like. He's going to tap, right? He's going to tap. And all of a sudden, someone's like, stop. He's gone limp. And Risto, it was just me and him by ourselves, I think. So that was even more scarier. Where we were in the stick room in Buffalo. And then he's just lying on the ground. And I hear him. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's choking (laughs) on his tongue. (laughs) So, Well, you'll be happy to know Casey Wellman still plays. Um, In the last five years, he was in the Swedish Hockey League, the KHL, in the Swiss League, back to the KHL, and in the Finnish Liga. So he's still still kicking around. He's doing well for himself. Well-traveled. Not good if you're a hockey player. You want to kind of stay in one league as much as you can. He won't talk trash in a sewer game anymore, I'll tell you that much. Choke your behind out, Casey. All right, moving on. Let's get to some... uh, Speaking of moving around, Tim, my segues have been... Bang on today. Speaking of rooming or room moving around, and I'm just ruining it. Trade rumors are swirling for some high-end guys around the league. And we're just going to touch on it a little bit because they're fascinating. I think you're going to see this a lot because the free agent class this year is not great. There's not a lot of guys who are going to be game changers who you can sign to long-term deals. They're mostly older guys, not impactful. That's why there's a lot of trade interest and trade talk, I think, going on. First one. 
Alex Dabrinka, Tim, what's going on there? Yeah, so Pierre Lebrun tweeted some stuff out over the weekend. He's basically, or over the week, I mean. So Dabrinka is in his camp, led by agent Jeff Jackson, have submitted their list of preferred destinations to the Senators for trade, so teams that he wants to go to. The reason that this doesn't matter is that if Pierre Dorian does trade Dabrinkit, he's going to want to do it with a trade and sign in order to get a max, just like we saw with Matthew Kachuk. The problem is this limits his his um, bargaining ability because we know that A, Dabrinkit has requested a trade, so they don't have a lot of, of bargaining power. And B, if I'm a team that's talking to Dorian, I know that I'm one of those teams that Dabrinkit has approved, which means I've got the uh, the the balance of power shifting my way. So I don't know that we're going to see him go for a lot, especially because he's not nearly the player that Matthew Kachuk was anyway. So worth pointing that out. Yeah, you're not going to get the Kachuk haul, but I feel like as long as there's one other team in the mix, you're going to get a good return on him. I think <laughs> GMs now, they look at the Hagel trade, they look at the Kachuk trade, they look at even an innocent trade like who did Vancouver get for a first rounder from Detroit that that was a first rounder so I, I think Alex Dabrinkit is multiple first rounders and a young prospect like he's still young you can sign him obviously you're going to get him for a long term so it, it'll be a big deal and Ottawa will get a, a pretty big haul if if they don't get a couple first rounders it's it's a total bust if they break even on Dabrinkit they gave up a first and a second <sighs> I think that's okay because the first they gave up to him was a seventh overall pick. That that's a first. If you're getting a top ten pick, the first they get most likely won't be a top ten pick. It'll be you know middle of the range because I don't know. Maybe they will. I don't know. But I, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to this trade because it's going to be a good one. And what a move by the agent of Alex Dabrinkit. I don't even think Ottawa asked for a list. He just did it on his own. Said, hey, here's our list. We heard you're looking. Go get it. All right. Another player not happy with his team and north of the border. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Very controversial player ever since he came into the league. You know, obviously ruffled some feathers in Columbus with John Tortorella. Came to Winnipeg for a fresh start. Did not have. He hates Winnipeg. Can we just call a spade a spade? The guy hates the city doesn't want to be there. His agent came out and said, we're not coming back. Maybe, maybe, maybe a one-year bridge deal, Pierre-Luc. No, we're not doing it. We don't want to come back. My agent, Pat Brisson, who is the agent for all the top guys, he knows what he's doing. He told Chevy, Kevin Sheveldayoff, trade us. Trade us or we're going to walk. And so don't look now. Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to get traded. And there's multiple teams interested. This guy is a good centerman. He's a good guy to throw on your second line. He is fairly durable. He's a he's a big dude. He can get to the corner, make some plays. Where do you think Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to end up here, Tim? Well, the number one destination right now is Montreal. He's made that clear that that's where he wants oh, to go. Shocker. Yeah. Like, I don't know come on, man. Pierre-Luc. <laughs> I don't know that it's only Montreal. Um, and actually, the, the, that would tie in well because he's the big body center. And you took some criticism yesterday on social for being, for saying Suzuki and Caulfield are too small to be a. Let me guess. Zone. Everybody who criticized me was under six foot. <laughs> Probably. And Probably. like, it's it's going to turn into the Ovechkin thing where anytime Caulfield scores, it's like, oh, pretty good for a little guy, eh, John? It's like, okay. I'm not saying he's not a, he's a great player. He's a great Montreal player. won't win a Stanley Cup with just Suzuki and Kaufman. Caulfield, they won't. They need to have bigger bodies. Like, uh, look at Jonathan Marshall was small. 
and he's lighting it up. I love what he's doing. They have bigger bodies around him. You have to have bigger bodies around him. We'll, we'll touch on that with who we think is going to ride shotgun with uh, Connor Bedard when he goes to Chicago. But let's let's stay on this. Where, where is Dubois going, Tim? Well, so probably Montreal, but Friedman said, um, if you're Montreal and you think that's the case, you're not going to pay a ransom for him. Because the other part of this is like, this is like true for any job, right? You, you job hop, if you have a new company every year or two, you're less likely to get hired. They don't like that. Now he's 24 years old. Not only has he been on two teams already, but he's requested trades from two teams already. And so remember that conversation we had with Bays a couple of years ago. And he's like, if you're on five teams and 25, like, is it the team or is it, is it you? That's the problem. And I don't want to, I don't know Dubois. I don't, I haven't heard much about his personality or anything, but like when there's smoke, there's fire here. Like this is the gotta be a red flag for GMs. The fact that he's already bouncing around for a third time. I'm going to give Dubois a pass here. He was in Columbus with John Tortorella. So hmm. I understand that. And then you're in Winnipeg, which listen, can we all just be honest and say Winnipeg sucks in the winter? So it does. It it does. I've been there dozens of times. It's a great city. The people are fantastic. In the winter, it's the coldest place in Canada on record. The winds whip in from the prairies, and it's miserable. They just fire down Main Street, and it stinks. So he, he, he's asking for trades from two teams that are not really desirable destinations. So I get it. I'm going to give him a pass. If he's asking for trades from Boston, like DeBrusque was, or from high-end teams or good locations, then maybe I'd be like, what's this guy? What's his deal? But I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him one more pass. Maybe I'm, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. And he's going to end up like the other guy, Jonathan Drouin. Like that guy needs to figure out his deal. He just is an issue. Asking for a trade from Tampa Bay? You crazy? You nuts? But moving on, who else is rumored here, Tim? Carter Hart's on the move or is he not? Yeah, this one's going back and forth. The teams that are being linked to him are, are Buffalo, who's kind of always in the market for a goalie. Um, Montreal again, and even San Jose. And the, the report on them was like, they don't want to do a full rebuild. Some of the contracts they have with, with Carlson and Couture and Hurdle, they don't want to start over, <laughs> but they're not quite good enough. So where do you, maybe a Carter Hart kind of gets you, bumps you forward a little bit. Oh yeah. He's going to get them into the cup conversation. They didn't make the playoffs this year. <laughs> what are we doing here? It's just like Columbus going out and tra- trading for Provorov. It's like, what do, you guys almost won the lottery this year and you're adding a star defenseman. That'll, that'll solve everything. That's going to be the one. Yeah. We're going to win now. It's like, come on, you guys. This is what I love. What Philadelphia is doing. I absolutely love it. Danny Breer came in and he looked at what he had in the cupboard and he says, we suck. And he called all the GMs. He said, you guys want any of this? Anybody take whatever you want. Our goalie he had a really good year. He's young. Have him. Our stars, our star defensemen, take them. Our best forward, take them. We stink. I'm going to just build it from scratch. I love it. He, he's, he, he's not blinded by, I got to keep my job. I, I, I need to win this year. I had to prove something. No, he's doing it the right way. This is what, this is what every GM should do. I don't know if Danny Briere has the luxury of the president saying, hey, I'm going to give you five to 10 years to figure this out. We really want you to, you know, start it from the ground up. But <laughs> what is my career doing in San Jose? We're not in the rebuild. How the hell are you not in the rebuild? Tell you me. Just... I know you have big contracts. I know you have big contracts. I get it. You just re-upped Hurdle. 
you have Couture, you have Carlson, you have these big contracts. You traded Burnsy, you got rid of Timo Meyer. How were you not in a rebuild if you're San Jose? What makes you look at this roster and say, oh, next year's our year, baby. We're going to make it. We're going to we're going to take that step. You were in the running for Bedard. I don't understand how you can go out and earnestly say to everybody with a straight face. We're kind of in a rebuild. You guys, we're, you know, we're, we're a couple pieces away. You have so many holes in your roster. So many bad contracts. It's just funny. Laughable. Carter Hart would would look good in Buffalo, though. I'll say that they have a big opening there. Now that Craig Anderson has gone out the stud, they have some money to spend on the back end. If they can get Carter Hart and sign him on for a reasonable number, I'm talking four or 5 million for five years, the beautiful spot for Carter Hart to end up. You don't overpay for him, but good young goalie. I like him playing in front of Rasmus Dahlin, who by the way is in negotiations right now. He's going to get 10 schmill, if not more a year Dahlin. So I, I, I like where they're going. It's scary. The money that they're throwing at the players. It's starting to scare me a little bit, but you got to do it to keep those young guys. All right. What else, Tim, my favorite player in the playoffs right now, what's going on with Barbashev? Well, Barbashev, obviously having a huge postseason. He's a big body. He's going to be a UFA this summer. So he's going to be looking for probably double what he's been making the last few years. And Elliot Friedman said that someone told me if they were in Chicago, they would go after Barbashev to play with Bedard because Bedard is going to need a player like that on his line who's got some skill, who's also physical and protect them. I don't know if Barbashev is much of a fighter, but no. he's, um, but he's a big body and he's going to create some space for Bedard. What do you think about that? I love it. Put a big body on him. Barbashev 6'1", 6'2", 210. Fantastic. Not afraid to bury guys as evidenced by him just destroying human wrecking ball, Radko Gudis a couple nights ago. I think it's, especially if this guy's going to get a ring on his finger, he's going to bring that Stanley cup cachet. He's still young. He's 27. You can ride shotgun with Connor Bedard for the next three, four or five years. Not a bad deal for Barbashev as well. I think if he's a UFA and he's looking for destinations, Chicago's a good city up and coming. Now they are doing the rebuild correctly. Mike Greer should look, at what Chicago is doing and say, okay, that's how you do it. Get rid of Taves, get rid of Kane, get rid of all the high end guys. Well, you shake your head. No apples and oranges because it's not, it's, they had those expiring contracts. Those are easy players to move. What are you going to do? They moved everybody, Tim. They didn't just, what are you going to, you can't move your players. You can't move Vlasic or Couture, probably not even Carlson without eating like half of that. So not grief. If you wanted to, you could, that's the thing. He does. He wanted how many first rounders in return for Carlson? Did he say like he wanted to return? And I've been saying this for years now. Nobody listens to me. They should. But, oh, you fought. We don't listen to you. You need to give up a first rounder if you want to get rid of Carlson. Even if he wins the Norris, the guy stinks on defense. He is a liability. He had 100 points. He was minus 100. Like, that's how bad he is on defense. So... Uh, listen, I need to be a GM. Oh my gosh. I need to do something because it's just so frustrating to listen to these GMs. Just this is, they're so dumb, but going back to Barbashev, he would be great in Chicago. Uh, we'll see. He's, he's got to win his Stanley cup first. What are we doing next Tim? I had a couple of voicemails. I want to play here. Oh, I love the voicemails. Yeah. I'm going to pull these up. There's two here. Um, we'll start with Rick from Buffalo. One sec, sorry. I'm going to get better at this. 
Tim, I can't hear him. I haven't played it yet. For John, I love his show. Um, thought I grew up a uh, big big fan of Rob Ray as a kid, and thirty two really hasn't been worn since he retired. And you came in and, and wore thirty two, and I was just curious if it was given to you. You chose it. Did you have to talk to to Ray at all on that? Later, guys. So he wants to know why I chose 32 and if I talked to Rob Ray about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did talk to Razor about that, I believe. I can't remember. But I think I talked to him before I stepped on the ice. I wore 32 because I wore it in Chicago. And so they asked me, what number do you want to wear? And I was like, 32. And like, that was Razor's number. And I think I had a conversation with Rob Ray. I can't remember if I did or not. I don't know. Rob Rob's a great guy, you know? but. He's a good guy that you like to throw rocks at. He's just got one of those personalities. It's like this guy kind of kind of is annoying. You know what I mean? He's got a big mouth. He flaps it a lot. I remember an alumni game we played, him and I. He's talking smack. And listen, he's he's about 20 years older than I am. And he's fought. He's been through some wars. Like he, People think I have a rule for me, the all-star game rule. They changed the equipment because of Rob Ray, because he would just get undressed. So they put the, the fighting strap on the jersey because of Rob Ray. Anyways, he's talking smack in this alumni game, and there's a 50-50 puck in the boards, and we're we're going for it. And I lean on him a little bit, and I give him a little shove. I sent him flying, Tim, into the boards. I thought I broke him. I thought I broke him in half. He, he, like, comes up, holding his shoulder. He's like, what the hell, Johnny? It's like, I felt so bad, but... Yeah, because he's, he's just kind of a jerk a little bit. But um, no, I, I had that number because I was 32 in Chicago. Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper. So I, I tried to follow a little bit, you know, of the the path that the guys in front of me took. So when I went to Chicago, they said, hey, what number do you want to be? And they said, Grim Reaper 32. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. We'll do that. So there you go. Are we ready to listen to the second voicemail, Tim? Or are we going to have to sit around for like... 40 seconds on with dead air. Are we? I have a walk-up song similar to a relief pitcher in baseball. What song would you pick? I nominate Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult because from the opening riff, you know something bad coming. And also, John Zola would have been a way cooler nickname than Big John. John Zilla? Pretty cool. There was uh, someone in Chicago called me some kind of dinosaur. I can't remember, but um, there is a song that was released a long time ago. I'm trying to think of who sang it. I know Johnny Cash did. Oh, it was Jimmy Dean. So Jimmy Dean released a song back in the 60s. I think it was 19... 61 62 ish it was called big bad john and so when i was in the ahl in houston by my second year i would get into a fight and they would play this during the fight and then while i was in the box and the song's great if we had any kind of production we would be having it played right now in the background because it it pretty much just kind of describes me the song starts out, it goes like, Big John, 
big bad John. And it goes, he stood six foot six and weighed 245, kind of broad in the shoulder and narrow on the hip. And everybody knew you never give no lip to big John. Big John, big bad John. So that would be my entrance song, just because it's so appropriate, because my name is John and I'm big. So see how <laughs> that works, Tim? Wow. Thank you for connecting the dots there. I don't think I would have got it. It's a great song. That's perfect. So it's like it, it was for you. No, because I was born in 1982. It's like but, it was written for you. Oh, okay. But no, that that would be the song. It's kind of funny. We need to work on a better system of hearing the voicemails because I can't hear it all. Yeah, I know. I'll work on that once the uh, off-season project. Is it going to happen or is this going to be one of those things where you say you're going to do it and then we don't do it? I do what I say I'm going to do, John. How's our website looking? It's ready to launch. You've been saying that for months. Tim has this, we have this agenda, Tim and I, it's like a Google doc. And we have like this chart of things that we're going to do. It's called dropping the gloves planning. And Tim puts a spaceship um, next to something for when it to take off. Yeah. When it, when it launches, we haven't done anything. That's not true. Oh yeah. Are we going to do this on air? Oh, breaking news right now. There's a trade. What? Sign and trade. Damian Severson in New Jersey are working on a sign and trade Ooh. to Co- Columbus. Oh my gosh! Eight years, six point two five million. Six point two five million for Damian Severson. Eight years. What is Columbus doing? They're well, be, they're, they're obviously trying to retool. No, they're not because they still don't have enough to compete with the teams in their division: the Hurricanes, the Devils, the Rangers. And maybe the Penguins and Capitals. We'll see how they retool. But gosh, so now their defense right now, they're going to have Provros. They're going to have Good Branson. They're going to have Andrew Peak. They're going to have Boquist. And they're going to have Damian Severson. Damon or Damian? Uh, I don't know. Damian. That's a lot of money. That's, that's a lot of money going to those guys who I don't. <laughs> Good trade for New Jersey. What is New Jersey getting in return for that? No report yet. Nothing yet. So, so this is a good deal for them because Severson was going to be a free agent and they recently kind of let the word out. Hey, if you want to get this guy, let us know or he's going to go to the market in a few weeks. And so obviously Columbus sees the opportunity and here we go. Crazy. He was going to be UFA's 28 years old, Damon Severson, Severson or Severson? Severson. Big body, put some points on the board. I don't know how much that is attributed to the New Jersey Devils, just how good their forwards are. The guy just flips it up and goes, but he's been a reliable 20 to 30 point guy ever since he entered the league. So good for Columbus, but eight years they gave him? Eight years, 6.25. Oh, man, that's a lot of money. Second round, draft, thing, 16th overall. Man. There's a new member of the Girl Dad Club, too. David Pasternak had a baby girl this week. Good. It, does it always have to be brought back to Boston? It's not about Boston. He's in Czech. He's in Czech Republic right now. It's just, I don't care. Good. Good for David Pasternak. Good for the New Jersey Devils. That's a good deal for them. Even if they get a second round or third rounder, they were going to let him go for free in a couple of weeks. So that's good. Columbus. We got to get that GM on the, on the show. Carmel. We should reach out to him because he would have, I want to talk to him big time. But anyways, everybody. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Have fun watching game four. Hope for a Florida win. So we got got something to talk about on Monday. I hope you guys uh, stay well. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.